And welcome back to another edition of the Onboard Sports Podcast. I am your host, Will Cherucci, a.k.a. We'll see. Coming to you from Long Island, New York. Yes, it is another episode of the podcast. And to be honest with you, I am so happy that we are recording this episode because like Eminem once said, guess who's back, back again, Shawnee's back, tell a friend, Sean Thomas, the great Sean Thomas is back. Sean, how you making out, buddy? Welcome back on. Well, thank you for that warm intro, pal. It was great to be on. Sorry to all of the subscribers, listeners, uh, supporters, fans, apologize for my an absence, but I'm back. Will and always, Will, Will held it down as he always does. So, Will, appreciate you, pal. I'm doing good. How are you doing, sir? Hanging in right now. Uh, long day today, working, obviously. It is just absolutely crazy out there in the world. This is what happens when you got to get stuff done. I say this every episode, but, you know, for anybody out there listening, construction does take a toll on you. And, you know, going to all these games does kind of take a toll on you too. But, you know, it, it is what it is. And I, I'm just happy that we're, A, recording an episode together again because it's been almost nearly two months that we've recorded an episode together. That's A. And B, you know, yeah, the Jets look bad. Yeah, all right, I get it. The Islanders do look bad. But, you know, outside of that, we got sports to talk about, man. And I can't wait to talk about them all with you. Yes, well, we definitely do, obviously. Well, you know, October, November, December, those are the best months of the year because, you know, you have the three major sports going on. And then December, January is hot stove in uh, baseball and so forth. For the Mets, it's been a cold stove, but we'll get into that probably later or in another show. But, Will, like you said, back on, time to talk about sports. But, Will, before we talk about football, basketball, baseball, anything else, you had the honor, the pleasure, and you deserve a pal of being at the first game at the new UBS arena for our New York and Islanders. Well, before we talk about anything else, just talk about how this, how it looks, the reaction from the fans, and just talk about and everything else because they've been waiting such a long time to move in, 13 games on the road, sort of the um uh season pal so will the floor is yours tell everybody one the experience you had how it looks because on the ice the team isn't doing so well but before we get on the ice talk about everything off the ice pal well first off this arena is just absolutely downright beautiful and for anybody out there that's telling you that it's not you know it's ugly it's this it has its court we get it it's the first time that you've ever stepped foot inside of a new place and it's going to take some time to get used to. It's not Nassau Coliseum. It's not Barclays center. It's UBS arena. It's unique. It's new. It's something that we haven't seen before as Islander fans finally be being in a forever home after being quote unquote homeless. And I know that I went, I got interviewed by Newsday and in it, like one of the last sentence, the last couple of words was this team isn't homeless anymore. And you don't have to deal with any of the, you don't have to deal with the jokes anymore of, oh, you know, this team is playing in two arenas. This team, 
you know, doesn't have a home, all this stuff. We finally have a home. It's great. It's brand new. Fans are loving it. Uh, the team's loving it. And you know what? Outside of parking a mile away or a couple of blocks away from the arena in the Emerald lot, I think it's great. You know, you get to walk to the arena with the fans. Yeah, they, they have the shuttle buses there. But what what's wrong with walking? What's wrong with getting your heart rate up at that point in time, you know? And I know in the article, too, <laughs> in Newsday, it said that I took the bus the first night. That could be uh, that that could be fake news right there because it is. I know that I was uh, next to a super fan, Charlie Mack. Uh, and he he's the one that said that he took the bus and the guy that was writing the story misheard me basically saying, well, I walked there and I had photos, but whatever. It is what it is. Um, you know, it, it, it's great for the for the fans. It's great for the, the players and ownership is really, really loving uh, this whole situation right now. So. You know, I, I couldn't be more thrilled, uh, you know, with the low ceiling, the ice. Yeah, it's going to take some time. Like, it's almost like a pinch me on dreaming, like I'm home type of thing. And we're going to need some goals here <laughs> in order to rock this place. But, buddy, it, it's it's absolutely great. The team store looks great. The Grand Hall uh, looks absolutely phenomenal. Uh, walking around the sweet area the other night uh, looks great as well. So, you know, this is just this is just absolutely downright beautiful. Now, as far as the product on the ice goes, man, I'll let you take the floor on this one, Sean, to try and, you know, lead us into this. And then I just got to catch my breath because this is just absolutely, uh, <laughs> you talk about a total 180, you go from a beautiful building to what the team's playing like now. Woof. Yeah. Well, you know, um, and, 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 you know, and that was the part that sucked, you know, um, I watched most of it uh, Saturday night and, um, you know, it's one of, of those things where, you know, the excitement was there and then obviously Calgary scored first, but then, you know, we, but then, you know, we get the goal, but well, you know, it's, it's, it injuries happen, but the team isn't even injured. I mean, I know two of our guys are out, but we've been hit with the COVID uh, spike amongst the team. We have like, I think like nine guys out in total, seven due to COVID and, you know, and, you know, it's, it's, um, it's one of those things where, you know, unfortunately, you know, it's, 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 it hit us at the wrong time because if it had to hit us, we wish we would have got hit with it, you know, during the 13 games that we were on the road, not when we're home and the fans want to see all of the guys. And we only had maybe what, well, 40%, 50% of the actual team right. that was supposed to uh, uh, be their pal. So, um, you know, it definitely sucked. Um, but I mean, well, the end of the road trip was not good. Um, we didn't end the road trip well. And then we've come home and then we lose five two on Saturday. And then, Sunday, well, your boy uh, comes into town, and um, not only did we lose three zip to Toronto, we do, we don't even score, and we didn't even look good. But well, I think COVID aside, I think we'll be fine. It's early in the year, and we'll like you always say, and I want to remind the fans of this: our coach is Barry Trotz. In Trotz, we trust. Trotz is going to figure it out. He's going to get the guys 
going on the right path. They listen, yes, they came home, they slept in their beds at some point during the trip, but it's still 13 games on the road where they hit every coast. I think they played on the uh, West Coast, but but they were in the Midwest and Canada and the South and the East. So, I mean, they flew a lot, even though they did have some time at home. 13 games on the road is still 13 games, whether you come home or you don't. So, I mean, well, I think they'll be fine. Um, hopefully this COVID spike goes down some. We start to get the guys back. I think they'll play better once we get the guys back. But, Will, you've been there these couple of games and, you know, you've gone to watch games with the blue and, and orange and army shout out to uh, those guys. Well, the product hasn't been good the last five, six games, but I think once the COVID spike goes down, well, I hope that we'll be fine. It, it better be fine coming soon because, you know, you got seven guys right now uh, on COVID protocol and two guys that are out short term with uh, some lower body injuries in Ryan Pulak and Brock Nelson who Brock Nelson has been arguably the best two-way forward uh, on the Islanders, the best goal scorer, the best offensive weapon that the Islanders have had thus far this year. Look, man, here's the bottom line with this team right now, okay? They look a step slow. They look like they're not hitting people, you know? And I get it. This is a long-term season. It's long-term when you discuss the season and, you know, everybody keeps on t- saying, oh, you know, they're built for uh, playoff hockey and stuff like that. Well, you got to make it to the dance in order by scoring goals and getting getting to the back of the net. And the thing that does that that concerns me the most is, you know, when you're looking at this, it's the same problems throughout the course of three years that we've been talking about. The power plays atrocious, you know, every and I. I've been getting into discussions with this with a couple people on uh, on social media, mainly on Twitter. With uh, I'm not going to mention this person's name, who I absolutely love and I love his content. Whenever he does his thing, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to say his name anyway because he deserves it. Uh, Andy Francis. You know, he's talking about Devon Taves and how Taves would be on this roster still. That's that's all well and good, but. He was a cap casualty. Even Lou Lamarillo said it. He didn't want to trade him. It wasn't because of the fact that he played three bad games in the bubble against the Lightning. No, he was a cap casualty. You're not going to keep all these guys out there, you know? And he he was the first step that ultimately had to go. And he's proving himself over in Colorado where he's, he's being that guy. He's being that two-way forward. And I totally agree with Andy to the sense where, yes, he's been the best two-way defenseman that the Islanders had when you're looking at the offensive and defensive side of things. But how are you going to pay at the time? How are you going to – and hindsight is 2020, of course, but how are you going to pay Taves, Beauvillier, Pellet, Pulak, Sorokin? You got to get back – other guys too, who I'm quite honestly, I'm forgetting names at this point. I, this is before Kyle Palmieri got here and all that. And you didn't know what you were going to do with Andrew Ladd. You didn't know what you were going to do with Johnny Boychuk. You didn't know what you were going to do with Nick Letty's contract or even, uh, even Leo Komarov's contract at that point in time, everything was still up in the air. And you had, honestly, I, I saw what Lou was trying to do 
but the long-term effect of it is the fact that we're missing out on two of the best defensemen, offensive defensemen that the team has had in both Letty and, and, uh, and Taves, but you have to do what you have to do there in order to play in, in the cap, you know? So there's that. And then when you look at the, you know, when you look at the Islanders problems as a whole, you know, they're not crashing to the net. They're not going out and there's nobody in front of the net realistically when there's, when there's uh, pucks being thrown on it, there's always the one shot. And then they've been going back on defense. This has been going on for three years. The problem is they've been a great five on five team. They've been a great five on five team where they, they just get, they mask it with the defensive play. And now you're seeing, you're seeing all this being exposed and you're also seeing too, with guys being out with COVID, you know, that, I hate to say it, this roster is kind of flawed almost in a sense where is it time to hit the panic button yet, Sean? I'm going to say yes to that because usually when you're, I'm going to leave this off here. Usually when you're watching games, you can see what a team is by the time Thanksgiving comes around, you know, that's your barometer right there. And I get what the blues did in 2019, but the blues fired their coach in order to go out and make that run, people forget about that when they fired their head coach and Craig Berube uh, took over, you know, and that sort of sparked the change in which sent the Blues all the way to uh, them winning the Stanley Cup in seven games against the Bruins. So regardless or not, yes, Sean, you're 100% right. It is a long season, but the bottom line is right now, this team has a lot of flaws that were masked over the course of three years with, with their play. And I understand that they started cold out of the gate. And I also understand too, that we do have the best that I say, we, like I play for the team, they have the best coach and in, in the sport. So am I going to worry or, or be, you know, hitting that panic button right now? I'm going to say I am. But this team right now, <laughs> they got to go up against the Rangers. They got to go up against the, the Penguins. And they got to go up against the Rangers again on Sunday. So they have to figure out uh, what's going on as far as where they are. And quite honestly, these games should be canceled. But, you know, what do I know? I'm just a fan. And I'm not saying that because of the fact that I'm a passionate Islander fan. No, you got seven guys that are on COVID protocol. You know, what are we doing? Gary Bettman, what are we doing? I sat outside your office, your building for 15 minutes after work with a cardboard sign, basically saying, hey, Bettman, you know, postpone these games for the aisles. What are we doing? You postpone the games for the Ottawa Senators when they had seven guys, eight guys out. But yet you're looking at it from this perspective, like, you know, from a competitiveness standpoint, what are we doing? This is not a product in which Islander fans want to see. And I'm just going to leave it off like that. This is definitely time to hit the panic button right now. It's getting, it's getting late early, Sean, as the great Yogi Berra once said. So all we got to do is just wait it out, see what happens. And there's nothing we can do except just see what happens with our own eyes. Yeah. Well, you know, um, you know, um, my final Aldena point is, you know what? I think it kind of goes back to what we've spoken about 
before. It sometimes it feels like the NHL gives the middle uh, finger towards us, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like, you know, if this would happen to any of the other 30 NHL teams, you know, oh, yeah, we you know, like, let's cancel the games. Happens to us, uh, you know, they'll be fine. Oh, fine, you know, the games are going to be played. And if you're Gary uh, Bettman, why this team has an outbreak? Yes, I know, Will, we would have been mad and frustrated if the home and opener had to be rescheduled or pushed back. But listen, we've lived with COVID long enough to know it's going to rear its ugly head at some point, at some point. And, and it's doing it for, for them now. And listen, if they had to reschedule these games till next week, then I mean, yes, we would have been mad, but at least we would have understood. We would have gotten and, and over it. And the quality of hockey on the ice would have been better because we would have gotten most, if not all, the guys that were sick back. So we'll, um, we shall see what happens there. And, well, I mean, I slightly disagree. It is getting late and early, Will, but I think the team still has some time. I know it's December next week. Well, it's still a long season, and they have a whole bunch of home games coming up. So I think with health and with being at home for the next few weeks as they're going to be, well, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be fine. The division, I don't want to say the division is already out of play. Um, the conference, well, you have teams that's playing some exceptional hockey in the East. Um, um, are the Panthers and the Hurricanes, just two teams that really are stuck out now. But, I mean, I think they'll be fine because of trots and home ice, but we shall see what happens there. Will. But I well, got to say to you, man, you know, okay, when you're looking at everything right now, you know, they're eighth in this wild card spot right now. And yes, they have games in hand. I understand that. But the surprising start from the Hurricanes, you know, the Rangers coming out of the gate hot, they have the young team and they built up their their bottom six, which is absolutely phenomenal for them. I'm not going to lie and shit on them because of the fact that they are the Rangers, but they are who they are at this point in time. Do they have their problems? Of course. But, you know, when you're looking at this team right now, when you're looking at the Islanders and they got to climb over a lot of teams, they got to climb over the Bruins, the Red Wings still, who started off hot out the gate, surprisingly, the Devils have a young team. They're playing rather relatively well. The Flyers, can they keep it up uh, going, going in? And you look, like I said before, you look at the division, you have to put, you have, they're eight, they're eight out of eight right now. I understand that it's early in the season, but they got to climb over the Devils, the, the Flyers, the Penguins, the Blue Jackets and, you know, the top three just get in at this point. But it's it's definitely uh, it, it's it's easier said than done. And it is tough, but it's got to start tomorrow night. It's got to really start tomorrow night for this team, because if they don't win these next two games, this is a barometer of your season right now. It It's if you can't beat your division and they haven't played their division yet that much. If you can't beat these teams. It with the roster there it's got you got to have that next man up mentality if they don't it's going to rear its ugly head bro and it's i'm telling you right now after watching this if you think that it could get better and especially with the whole what we saw with the with the power play shuffling on that four on three on sunday night where they got the uh the four forwards in there and they can't even do it it ain't looking good you know they got to fix something they have to whether it be 
you know, I hate to say it, fire Jim Hiller, or they got to go out there and they have to figure it out. It is what it is, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. But we have lots more to talk about here uh, on this edition of the On the Board Sports Podcast, outside of hockey, uh, you know, moving from the NHL to the NFL world now. Uh, let's start off with the Giants here because they're the most recent story. The Giants last night, they lost 30-10 to 10 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And a lot of people were very optimistic over the radio, over, over the, uh, the airwaves, basically saying, yeah, the Giants, they can contain Tom Brady. Tom Brady doesn't have the Giants number. Well, he kind of did you in on that one. And the Giant offense was just downright sputtering. Uh, last night to the point where the only touchdown that they got was from Andrew Thomas, their left tackle, who was coming off of a injury, and he was basically out for a long period of time. But when you look at the Giants right now as a whole, uh, it's not looking good for them. We'll lead it off with them. They had a lot of potential and a lot of hype uh, going into the season, but it just absolutely sputtered out of control. And I'm just going to say this about the New York football giants. People want to talk badly about the Jets. We understand that the Jets are bad. We understand that the Jets are bad. But the Giants right now are just an absolute mitigated disaster. Has Daniel Jones had his moments in, in this? Absolutely. He's had his, his good moments. But is he a guy that you really want to build around? I don't know. And it all starts with the quarterback. It all starts with the offensive line. And they did fire today uh, Jason Garrett. So maybe that'll spark the offense in the right direction or a push. But, Sean, I got to tell you, I look at this team right now. I look at Daniel Jones. And I look at the, the Giants as a whole. You know, people, like I said at the beginning of the year, oh, the Giants have this great offense. Uh, I don't know, man. What do you think about all this stuff with Big Blue going on right now? So, well, you know, it's this season, you know, they've had guys hurt. Gavadez has missed games. Saquon came back and then got hurt again. But, well, to me, the downfall of this Giants team the past two, three, four years has been the offensive line. Now, to the Giants' credit, they've tried. They drafted Andrew Thomas. Will Hernandez was drafted. They signed Nate Solder from the Patriots, Matthew Pert, another draft pick. Kevin Zeitler, they signed, I mean, they traded for him from um, the Browns. Well, the Giants have tried to fix this offensive line. I give Dave Gettleman credit for that, but the pieces haven't worked. He's missed on draft picks. He's missed on this. He's, he's missed on that. And, well, I think... Jason Garrett, you know, his play calling, yeah, you know, it, it wasn't the best, but, well, it's hard to know how good an offense is if the quarterback doesn't have time. It's also hard to know what your quarterback is when the quarterback himself hasn't really proven himself. So it's like, well, it's one of those things where it's like, who's to blame? Is it the offensive line? Is it Garrett? Is it Daniel Jones? Is it a combination of um, all three? Is it the pieces that's in place? Because just because the name's on the roster, look good don't mean that as a collection that they're going to play good so I mean it's one of those things where like there's so many question marks and it's unfortunate because they had question marks before and you thought some of them were solved or 
and answered when Gavade was signed and Tony was um, uh, drafted and Kyle uh, Rudolph was signed and free agency. And well, let's not forget the Giants in 2020 had one of the best defenses in the whole league, especially against the pass. They did extremely well against the pass. And people are saying, oh, the defense is bad this year. Well, yeah, it's bad because the offense doesn't do anything. Like, look how much games the Giants barely put up points. Falcons game, the Rams game, the Bucks game last night. I mean, well, I could go on and on about, you know, about games where the Giants fell flat, the Broncos in week one. So, I mean, you know, it, it's it's definitely an unfortunate thing. Well, I think this is the first of many moves. I think Dave Gettleman is going to be gone. And I think, well, eventually Joe Judge is, is going to be gone because I highly doubt a new GM is going to want to keep Joe Judge. We see new GMs want to hire their own guy. And it will, it's kind of surprising, you know, um, you know, that, you know, that Ketterman is still there, but I guess they wanted his contract to end. But whatever the case is, well, I think Jason Garrett being fired is only the sign of uh, things to come. And it's just unfortunate because on paper, this team is very talented, but because of injuries or coaching or culture or whatever the case is, well, and well, you know, I'll make it quick. Well, if the Giants play the Titans, my team, the Giants are way more talented than my uh, Titans. We don't have, I mean, yes, we have Derek Henry, but he's hurt, but Saquon is better than the backs we have now. Galladay is a better receiver, Sterling Shepard. Leonard um, Williams is better than all the defensive linemen that we have and so on and so forth. Will We would smoke the Giants if we played them because their offensive line sucks, their, their offense sucks, and they don't have a culture, which the Titans do. Mike Vrabel has created a culture down there. That's why they've been to an AFC championship game and won the division and first seed in the AFC uh, right now. So it just sucks what's going on there. Well, they have to get it turned around so absolutely and when you look at the division right now i mean so many people were talking about how this team like you said before with the talent how they'd be competing for a wild card spot they're back in the dweller again at this point and should it really surprise any people uh going out there and saying it joe judge has been in over his head uh looking at it he's not the coach that many people thought he was and look, man, listen, here's the bottom line. You know, it's New York. You know, people were calling this guy to be the next Bill Belichick over here with the special teams uh, resume that he's had over that course of time. And you could see it in his face. He's frustrated and he's pissed. And he also, I think, too, he might be, these might be the last couple of games uh, for him uh, coming up because I think we're both in agreement that this is it. This is it for uh, Joe Judge. And, you know, I would be surprised if Black Monday rolls around. If they don't figure out a way to go out there and win uh, their next couple of games, it's not going to be good. You know, and then you look at the division, too. We knew that Dallas had a great offense. And if Dak Prescott stayed healthy, uh, he was the difference maker there, uh, as opposed to what happened last year. We know that. Philadelphia and their resurgence with uh, – Jalen Hurts has been uh, absolutely incredible to watch. And then you look at the, you know, the football team, the Washington football team, we always knew about their, their front seven, but they've been underperforming 
uh, as of late. And really, you know, you're relying on Taylor Heineke. So after what happened to Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, at the at the beginning of the year. So when you look at the Giants, they had a lot of talent. They had a lot of expectations. But as of right now, this team has not met them. And because of that, uh, one Joe Judge is definitely on the hot seat for sure. Moving on from one horrendous football team to another, talking about my New York Jets, the team that I support weekly. And this is just an absolute downright embarrassment, an utter embarrassment at this point in time. Okay. It's a disgrace what the fans have to go through each and every single week. And, you know, I've been going to these games for the past three years thinking that there would be some sort of bright, bright spot, some sort of, some sort of uh, light at the end of the tunnel with both Sam Darnold and Russell Wilson, uh, Russell, uh, Zach Wilson, excuse me. Wow. Anyway, it's been a long day for me. That's how, that's how, you know, Understood, that, that, that it is what Understood. it is. But <laughs> when you look at it, it's forget the quarterback play. We keep on looking at the quarterback play uh, too much and, there are a lot of blue verified check marks. There are a lot of people that work in the media. There are a lot of people that have blogs in which they said it. Zach Wilson's going to throw for over 4,000 yards. Zach Wilson and the Jets are going to be a 9-7 and seven team, six and six, a 6-win, six 5-win team, but he's going to throw for over 4,000 yards, and he's going to be great. And I, I told this to you, Sean. I said it for the longest time. What? is going on with what this kid is just absolutely unbelievable why do we why put him in next next week now i understand the news today that came out of course that they they have both mike white and joe flacco on covid protocol and joe flacco is unvaccinated and mike white has been around people this is this is just an utter disaster waiting to happen uh, in Houston. But to get to the game, they just to get back to the game before against Miami, they legitimately just looked like shit on the opening drive. Yes, they hold their own, but they just these penalties. It's week in and week out. It's you know it's something that just gets tiring. After a while, seeing the penalties that keep on happening, the boneheaded plays on third down, the third and 10, third and 11 conversions from the opposition, it's just absolutely downright awful. And then, you know, it doesn't matter if Zach Wilson's in there at quarterback. It doesn't matter if Mike White's in there at quarterback or Joe Flacco or Josh Johnson or God. You know, here's the bottom line. The offensive line is terrible. And it got exposed yet again, and I'm tired of having to hear and see from every blue verified check mark. Oh, Joe Flacco threw a terrible pass. Oh, you know Joe Flacco, Joe Flacco did this, and he didn't have enough time. Of course, he didn't have enough time because we knew about this offensive line sucking. We knew about this. We knew about the fact that this secondary is god awful, and through the first six weeks of the season. They were being held on together literally by a Band-Aid at this point. And it literally flew right off, you know. Uh, 
when you look at this team right now, it's just absolutely a joke. And I hope Zach Wilson has found his way being on the bench and he could light a spark under because this, this season's over, but at that same point in time, I'm just going to leave it like this. And I hope Robert Sala is not, uh, not overachieving here at all or anything like that of the sort, but he looks in over his head. You know, he looks in over his head at this point and I feel for him. I do, but you know, the, the, the unforgiving penalties that happen on third down with this team and on special teams, they've got to stop, man. It, it just rips my hair out. And I keep on, I keep, I've been saying this for the past three years since, you know, Darnold's been bad and, you know, they drafted Zach Wilson. They are not, if you're going to win games, you got to win them penalty free or at least have one or two, you know, not at the, Worst period of time, of course, but this team right now is just god awful when it comes to that. When it comes to penalties, and they have to fix up their secondary. That's it. Once the offseason comes around, but I've been saying that, and I've been beating that horse like it, like a dead horse. You know, it's just absolutely incredible. It's really bad, and I am just, I'm, just, I, I, I'm speechless. I'm speechless right now. I'm just absolutely ranting and raving but you know here's the dolphins that gave the gave the jets a win and the jets basically threw it back in their face and said no you can have it you know just god awful but this is going to be a long end of the year and for zach and for the jets going into houston i think houston won their last game if i'm not mistaken right unfortunately against uh, the titans yes yeah so you know, they're going to come out and they're going to, they're smelling blood in the water right now. Uh, Zach Wilson, his first game back. All I'm just going to say is this older pain, like a former uh, WFAN host once said, and he has his podcast out there. Oh, the pain. So this is going to be, this is just going to be typical Jets right here at this point. There's going to be a moment in which you're going to say, well, it's the Jets. It always happens to the Jets like this, and it's going to happen in Houston or it's going to happen somewhere down the road where they're going to throw out this kid due to the COVID stuff. He's not going to be ready to go, and then you're going to look at Salah and company, and you're going to blame it on him. But meanwhile, it wasn't on him. It was on the situation of the matter, and you know, I hope this kid doesn't get hurt going down the year where he's not missing a year. I hope he makes it through and he plays. He plays through it because if not, you're going to see a lot of those blue verified check marks that said, oh, yes, we want Zach Wilson to start. We want to see him play for the rest of the year. Well, you're getting your wish right now, albeit a forced one. And I just pray to God that he stays upright and healthy down the end of the year. That's it. I don't care about him throwing for over 400 yards. I don't care about him growing. I care about him making it in one damn piece at this point in time, because if they if he doesn't make it in one damn piece, it's going to be another, another shit show of an offseason. You heard it here first. So. so, well, you know, so we talk about how Dave Gettleman hasn't been a good GM and so on and so forth, which is true. I mean, has he drafted some good players here? But for the most part, 
he's flamed out in, in draft and free agency. And, and when that happens, you end up like where the Giants are now. Well, Joe Douglas, to me, he's gotten a pass and he shouldn't and he should not. Well, you take Makai back down the 2020 draft. That 2020 draft is not looking too good, which is not good for a team that needs players to perform well. Obviously, the jury is still out on the 2021 class. You have to give them at least a season or two to really, you know, to you know, to really understand what's going on and 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 you know, to figure out if they're if they're going to be any good. So you have that. But well, I think I said it on during the summer. If not, then I'm gonna say it um, now. The one mistake I felt that they made was the fact that they didn't bring in a veteran. They did not bring in a veteran to play either in front, to play in front of Zach. I don't care how, you know, pro-ready Zach was or they felt that Zach was. You still have to bring in a veteran guy, whoever that was, whether it's Josh Johnson back then, bring in uh, Flacco back, who, uh, whoever. Um, because, well, t- to me, we've seen rookie uh, 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 quarterbacks start from day one, and we knew they were pro-ready right away. Joe Burrow started game number one in our recent uh, memory. Justin Herbert started game number one in recent uh, memory, and they've turned out so far to be pretty, pretty good. But well, to me, that's that's the first mistake that the Jets made, and you know, and well, the reason being, it's not exact. Like Wilson came from Alabama, Ohio State, Florida. He came from BYU, and the talent level for who he played to the NFL, it's going to be a deeper curve than someone that played at, you know, um, LSU. Joe Burrow got adjusted to the NFL game quicker because he went up against Alabama and Florida and Missouri and all these schools and so on and so forth. So I think that's where Joe Douglas went wrong. Well, Robert Sala does look over his, does look in over his head. I do agree with that. On top of that though, I give him a pass. I give him a pass for now because defensively, the person they were expecting to provide a very good pass rush Tore his uh, tore his Achilles in camp. So the pass rush outside of the the first three games, especially the Titans game where they sacked Ryan uh, Tanner, I think it was seven or eight times. Well, outside of the the first like three four games, the pass rush hasn't been good, and you needed the pass rush to be good because the secondary is just so young. Bryce Hall is still a baby. Um, Ashton uh, Davis is young. Um, all these guys that they. Uh, drafted in the 21, 2021 draft. All those guys are still young too. Like they didn't address from a veteran standpoint the cornerback and or safety spot. And now look, Marcus May is out for the year and his his jet days are probably done because he's going to be a uh, free agent. So, well, what I'm saying is Robert Sala doesn't have the pieces that he needs in my mind to be successful right now. So the defensively, I'll give him a pass because well if the D line was healthy they could do what they do which allows the linebacking core led by CJ Mosley to do what they do and if the front seven does what they does well you can have a young secondary because the game is going to be simpler because the front seven's getting 
the job done. Everybody knows in football, if you have a very good front seven, the rest will take care of itself. So, well, that's where it goes there. But well, I'll, I'll, I'll end my jet take on this. And again, it's still season number one. But I'm not a Jets fan, but I told this to all my Jet friends, you and, you know, a contributor to the show, Phil, and other guys. The Jets better pray. Trey Lance, Justin Fields, or Mac Jones do not turn out to be good. Because if they do, they're going to regret it for the next 10, 15 years. Because he could have had any one of those three, and they took Zach. And well, it's starting to feel like, once again, the Jets had their pick. And out of five guys, they could have had any of the best four, and they took number five. Because right now, that's who they have. Even though Trey Lance hasn't played much in flashes, he's looked good. Fields has gotten um, um, a couple wins. Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville, that's a train wreck, so you don't really blame him there. And, Will, the best out of the bunch is Mac Jones. Will, just take a guess why Mac Jones is doing the best. Not because he's with Bill and with Josh Mac, um, uh, Daniels, he went to Bama. He threw the NFL receivers. The game came to him faster. That's why they cut Cam. Because, because Mac was ready to go from day number one. So, well, again, it's too early to tell, but I know how, how impatient Jet fans could be. It's starting to get early, late, like you just said. I'm mean, late in early, Will. Like you just said, if by this time next year, Zach Wilson looks the same and the other three quarterbacks they could have had are playing well, well, I would hate for the Jets to have to, in 2023-2024, entertain another quarterback when they invested so much in Zach in terms of the number two pick. So we shall see, Will. Yeah, and just a, a couple of things, and then, you know, I'll leave it like this. Number one, John Franklin Myers. You know, this guy signs a contract extension and he's been missing like the like the little kid on the on the back of the milk carton, like the back of a like a like a missing person uh, at this point on a milk carton. Where is this guy? He hasn't been uh, anywhere since he signed his contract extension. Uh, that's number one. And he create he made some boneheaded uh, penalties uh, during this game that happened. And, you know regardless or not on how you feel on him. And like you said before, the defensive line has to make pressure in order to get to the quarterback. But regardless or not, this team has to just find a way. C.J. Mosley, another guy. You know, I've been giving this guy a pass uh, over the course of the, the past season. I think that, you know, with the way how it's going, he might be gone by the time this uh, – by, by the time the offseason rolls around and the Jets might be drafting a linebacker with one of those pe- with one of those uh, with one of those picks, you know, so there's that. And then, you know, lastly here, you know, guy, guys on that offensive line, you, you mentioned Mekhi Beckton. Boy, I hope the Jets figure out what they're doing at center because Connor McGovern and Greg Van Roten, they're not good. You know, Morgan Moses has been, you know, really sort of somewhat like of he's been a leader uh, in that sense where you can want to have him back as that, as that piece to build this team around with, with the offensive line, he could be a leader or captain on that line, but you know, 
it is what it is when it comes to that. And then finally, with Zach Wilson, just look going forward. Um, you know, when you're looking at it, I just better pray to God that Zach Wilson doesn't revert back into the Zach Wilson from the first four weeks of the year where he's targeting Corey Davis and Corey Davis only, and he's trying to force the issue uh, with some with some passes. Excuse me. Because if he does that and nothing's happening right now, then you could really ultimately say that, well, the offense is going on, going great because of the fact that, uh, you know, I can't necessarily blame the offense here uh, these past couple of weeks, you know. I mean, the defense just has been absolutely atrocious. And Mike LaFleur has been calling a pretty good game plan since that, since the, uh, you know, since the Atlanta game, you know, but ever since Zach got hurt, it's almost like he opened up the playbook and all three Jack quarterbacks, whether it be Mike White, Josh Johnson, Joe Flacco, they've all thrived under this offense. And I hope and I pray to God, Zach Wilson starts to read it because like you said, Sean, 2023, it's going to come here fast, very fast. But right now, it's a long, long ways away uh, when we're looking at and when we're talking about these New York Jets. And sometimes I just want to rip my hair out watching this team. But, you know, there's always a bright side, right, as people like to say. But right now it's it's dark and it's I hate to say it, it's the same old Jets some way, somehow, you know. So I'm just going to leave it like that. Yeah, but well, you know what, this is, this is a very uh, winnable game coming up. They still have um uh Houston I mean sorry uh Jacksonville so that's a very uh, they play Houston cool. they're playing Houston they're right 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 so that could be win number three whenever they play uh Jacksonville that could be a uh, win number four so I mean you know and and well the Dolphins are not that great like you said that was like that game came down all all the way towards the end so the game in Miami whatever week that is that could be another game um, that they could potentially win. So I mean, listen, at two and eight, if they if they if they could get to five wins, will six wins? You know, it 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 from how it started to how it could end, it 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 does look good. But the, Jack Wilson needs to show something, because well, they that's one thing that I give Joe Douglas the credit for. Back to him drafted, and well, obviously a offensive lineman isn't going to win Rookie of the Year. Elijah Vera Tucker, not only has he been one of the highest rated rookies all season, well, he's been one of the highest rated players, period, regardless of whether it's quarterback, running back, receiver, uh, safety corner, he consistently week by week has a high grade. So trading up in the first round to get him was a slam dunk. And once Beckton comes back, hopefully healthy, that left side for Zach is going to be set for years to come. I think that's the thinking that Joe had. And, you know, so far it's so good, but will Elijah Moore, when he's had consistent quarterback play, he's looked good. And Jamison Crowder, he, you know, he's going to catch his five, six balls for 50, 60 yards. And well, when Corey Davis has had consistent quarterback play, he's looked good. So the pieces are here um, from the backs, obviously Michael Carter being hurt. That sucks, but you know, Ty Johnson and Tom McCormick can get, the job done. So, well, Zach has a piece to put up points. So if the defense gives up a lot of points, that's not on him, but offensively he has pieces to put up points. He's going to have to show it over these last 
six, seven games, or else there's going to be a lot of uncertainty, a lot of questions going into the 2021 or to 2022 off uh, season, Bell. Yeah, and we're just going to leave it like that because if we keep on going on, we could keep on going on until the cows come home. <laughs> and if let's just say if Zach Wilson does end the year bad um, and they have that top three overall selection with their own pick, forget the Seattle pick, I, I just don't want to hear another quarterback situation here, another quarterback controversy brewing here at that point. I think my heart can't take it anymore with, with some of these people on social media <laughs> and some of these radio radio personalities too. So, uh, you know, it, I, I just better pray. We better pray to God as Jeff fans that, you know, Zach Wilson comes through and he plays his ass off now because this is it. This, this is it. You know, I know it's year one. I know I got to have a lot of patience, but you know, like you said, Sean, the fan base is impatient and it's been years. So I trust, I trust this rebuild. I really do. You know, I, I've seen crazier things happen. And yes, the Patriots are what they are. But, you know, forget Alabama with Mac Jones. It's the fact that he's coming through. He's coming through with the Patriots. And he's just making it simple. You know, he's operating. He's not blowing you away with 300-yard games, a la what Justin Herbert was doing last year. No, he's thinking and dunking at that point. He's not taking chances down the field. He's doing, he's doing what Mark Sanchez was doing back in his rookie year. You know, just going out there, hitting the screen pass, hitting the underneath receiver, going out there and just hitting, making the simple plays, making those dink and dunk throws. And that's what's making the Patriots succeed. And yes, this defense for the Patriots too, they've been, they've been looking good. And their first place, and I, you know, the Bills, oh my God, the hype with the Bills, man. What the hell? They lost the hell? Jacksonville 9-6. The Colts thumped them. And, well, exactly like you said, Mac Jones, he's just, he's just doing what he's told. Like, like He's making like it he's simple. Making, he's keeping it simple. He's keeping it super simple. But we'll give the Patriots credit. And this is the end, you know, I will, and, you know, I'll make it super, super quick. Well, look how much money the Patriots spent in, in, um, uh, in the offseason. They spent a lot of money. Spent a lot of money, but... They put the correct pieces in place so far. And then, well, who would have thought Thanksgiving a weekend, the Patriots would be in first place? Nobody had Nobody. Everybody had the Dolphins or, I mean, the Bills or the, uh, um, uh, the, the uh, Dolphins. Nobody had them. So give credit where uh, credit is. I will. I will. I'll give them credit 100%. You know, they, yeah. they are where they are right now. It's a testament to everything that the Patriots have been doing. And they finally have their quarterback play and, you know, and their offensive line is set. So we'll go for, from it like that. Uh, yeah. let's, let's go into the – let's go into picks right now. Let's do that. I know we haven't done uh, picks in a long time. Uh, I think the last time we did it was, what, back in week two or week one? Around so let's, there, yeah. let's, just, let's just get into it right now. Uh, going into the Thanksgiving Day games with the Bears and the Lions, uh, Basically, the Lions, again, they keep on hosting Thanksgiving uh, football, and Chicago has won the six of the last seven games versus the Lions. Uh, you know, the Lions are winless, but the Bears, you know, they're trying to find their way. They're trying to find their way uh, in that NFC North. Sean, who do you have in this game? 
Well, give me the Bears, but well, you know, real quick, I saw something that Matt Nagy's gonna be fired after the game. If that's the case, why not fire him now? Like, why have him miss Thanksgiving with his family if you know that he's not going to be 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 the coach? But that's a story for another day, pal. Give me the uh, Bears. I'm going to go with the Lions here, upset special. I think the Lions actually pull it off. And with all the drama, like you said, surrounding the Bears, uh, I personally look at everything with the Lions. I think they get their first win. And they've been so close on getting their first win had it not been for uh, Justin Tucker hitting that 66-yard field goal back in week two uh, to, end, to end that, to end the year or week one, whenever it was when he drilled the longest field goal ever recorded. And I think that the Lions, they're just due, they're just due for a win. So give me the Lions. Um, moving on to, to the Raiders and the Cowboys. Cowboys are home. Another uh, Thanksgiving staple in which you get to see the Cowboys play. Uh, Sean, who do you have in this game? Well, it sucks because Amari Cooper has COVID and CeeDee Lamb has the concussion. But I think the better team is going to win. I think that the Cowboys are the better team and they're at home so give me the boys dallas has lost three of their last four thanksgiving games i'm gonna go with the cowboys here too i think the raiders you know they've been up and down they've been battered and bruised but when you look at everything and when it's all said and done you know Derek Carr, he's looked okay over the course of time but i think that the cowboys with the way how they've been playing on this season this is definitely their holiday for sure after losing out on three of their last four games on Thanksgiving. So give me the Cowboys, Sean. We're locking step there on that pick. All right, moving on to the Thursday night, Thanksgiving night game between the Bills and the Saints. New Orleans has won five straight games against Buffalo. The Saints are the home team here. Are the Bills, are they who they thought they are, Sean? Well, it sucks about to the Saints with Jameis because they were just starting to play well. But I think the Bills... Uh, rebound short week even though it's on the road I think they get the job done give me the bills yeah I'm gonna go with the bills here too I think they find a way to go out there and win like you said it's tough to go out there <laughs> and play but it's gonna be a loud superdome for sure uh moving on to the one o'clock games Eagles they play the Giants at MetLife uh two really stark opposite teams right now with the way how their seasons are going on the one hand you got Joe Judge Looks like this team's sinking. But on the other hand, Jalen Hurts and company, they're finding a way uh, with their offense to just strive uh, right now at this point in time. Who do you have in this game, bud? Well, so the Eagles a few weeks ago looked like they were going to be the worst team in the NFC, but give Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts some credit. They've started to play well. So tough game, but I think the better defense wins. I think that's Philly. So give me the Eagles. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Eagles, too, here. I think the Giants are a sinking ship, and their season is just spiraling out of control. Uh, hopefully, they, they find their way, but I think the Eagles are just going to, you know, just go in there and just find a way to beat them. So give me the Eagles as well. Moving on to the other New York team that's playing at 1 o'clock, you got the New York Jets playing the Houston Texans. Uh, I'm just going to keep this one short and sweet. Zach Wilson's going to get lit up on on uh sunday against houston and houston is no no laughing matter either i hope this game is close but i'm going to say houston's going to win ultimately yeah well you know um houston that was that was a big win 
on the road. And we, well, you know, the funny thing, Houston is not as terrible as, you know, people make it seem, you know, it's just that they were driven by, by uh, Deshaun, but Tyrod Taylor is not going to lose you the game as we saw last week. So give me Houston at home. All right. So clean sweep across the board right there. Moving on to the Buccaneers and the Colts, uh, the Bucks, they're coming off a big win. So are the Colts. Well, Sean, who do you have in this game here? Well, upset special. Give me the Colts. Give me the Colts. Um, I know that the Bucks have a very good front seven, but well, quietly, the Colts have built one of the best offensive lines in the league. And Jonathan Taylor running the ball, even though again, I know against the run, the Bucks are very good. I think they'll create enough points to outdo the Bucks. Well, I never thought I would say Carson Wentz would outdo Tom. Uh, Brady, but I th think he does on Sunday. Upset special. Give me the Colts. I like their rushing attack. I do. Jonathan Taylor is a beast, like you said, and their offense is sixth in the league. But when you look at the defense overall for the Bucs, they're a top five unit, and they're just they're going to find a way to get to the quarterback here, and they they just got to do it. I, I personally like the Bucs here on the road Although this game is going to be close, this might be the game of the week uh, as far as like an underrated sleeper game in which you're going to watch. So I like the Bucs. We move on to the Panthers going up against the Dolphins. Cam Newton trying to find his way, trying to will the Panthers back into this NFC South uh, divisional picture. Uh, still winnable. And they go up against the Miami Dolphins. Uh I'm going to go with the Panthers here. I think they find a way to go out there and win this game. And when you look at it, when it's all said and done, you know, Panther defense. And I, I think that the Dolphins, they didn't really show me enough going up against the Jets. It's the Jets. Their defense sucks. So with that said, give me the Panthers on the road. Yeah, well, you know, um, you know, it, it, the Dolphins have won three straight games. Cam just got back. This is this is a tough game, but I think the Panthers have enough to get it done. I'm, I'm going to take the Panthers and Cam on the road. Give me Carolina. Titans and Patriots going up. Sean, your team uh, hasn't – they've been looking good uh, outside of the Jet game and what happened uh, against the Texans. But outside of that, man, it's just uh, – you know, they released Adrian Peterson, a lot of things going on over there. Uh, they still have that culture there, but, you know, you got to go out there and play the games. And the Patriots are turning a corner, it looks like, as the season progresses. Sean, who do you have in this game? Well, so on paper, this is the game of the week, but the Titans have so many injuries. Like, like we released uh, Peterson because we put a receiver on IR. We signed uh, Golden Tate, who, I, who I, I, I wanted them to sign during the off uh, season. Well, we just have too many injuries. Thank God for the bye week next week. Well, well I honestly don't think this game is going to be close. Give me the Patriots. And well, before you make your pick, with this 18 game, well, the NFL has to do a much better job of knowing when to give teams Bye weeks. How do you have a team play 13 straight games? Well, there's there there's four teams that, that have a bye week 14. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. So the NFL has to look into that into the off uh, off uh, season. But 
well, give me the Patriots. Yes, clean sweep across the board there. New England's been on fire, and I think their defense just finds a way. And I think they have some uh, retribution on their mind, even though, uh, you know, the Titans, they went up. This is the same Titan team that went up to New England and, and beat them in that wild card game uh, back two years ago in, in the 2019-2020 year. So I like the Patriots here. I think they some of those guys remember that. I think Bill Belichick remembers that too. And that was the, the final send-off of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. <coughs> so give me the Patriots at home. Moving on to a classic AFC North rivalry here. You have the Pittsburgh Steelers going up against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the Bengals are the home team here, Sean. Who do you have in this game? Well, give me the Bengals. Um, I'm not sure if T.J. Watt or Joe Hayden are going to play. We saw how much Pittsburgh missed them Sunday night when the Chargers dropped 41 of them. Um, the Bengals, you know, they they went into the bye week kind of bad, but they came into the bye week and they blew out um, the uh, Raiders. And I think they continue the momentum and their home role. So give me Cincy. Yeah, I'm going to go Cincy too here. Better defense ranking-wise, better offense ranking-wise. You know, Pittsburgh's not the same team, and it's tough watching Ben Roethlisberger play the way how he's been playing, you know, watching him age and everything like that. I think this might be his last season. Give me the Bengals at home. Moving on to the Falcons going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars here. Uh, This is probably an unwatchable game uh, from the perspective of, you know, both teams aren't really playing for much. Uh, you know, Urban Meyer, I think he, like I said before, he's on the hot seat, no matter how you look at it. And you look at the, the Falcons right now, Matt Ryan. Yes. They have one of the, you know, the better tandems I feel with Kyle Pitts and company, but you know, I think this is just like, you're not going to go out there and win games. Both teams are, are bad offensively, uh, passing wise. It's not the same. And the rushing attack here, it's not the same. Uh, for the Falcons. With that said, I'm going to go with Jacksonville. I'm going to go with Jacksonville here at home. And look, man, bottom line is, you know, if they could find a way to stop Kyle Pitts and company, that's great because Atlanta's rushing attack is ranked 31st in the league. And their, their passing offense isn't that far behind either. But with that said, Urban Meyer has come through uh, and show you that they can go out there and win games in albeit in the face of adversity. I like the Jaguars here in this spot. Yeah, well, um, I'm going to take the Falcons because I feel like just when you ride the Falcons off, that's when they come back and win. Um, I think they were four, four or five wins and somehow, some way, they're actually not too far out of the playoff mix. Well, honestly, they're not even out of the out of the the division rates because the Bucks only have, I believe, only have seven wins. The Falcons are a little bit better than what they are. Will um, the last two games only scoring three points off the strength? Got to get the offense going, but, but I think they do on Sunday. Give me the Falcons. All right, moving on to the uh, a classic AFC West showdown. Going back to the AFL days, you got the Los Angeles Chargers going up against the Denver Broncos. Uh, this is going to be a high-scoring affair, I feel, and it always is with both these teams. Who do you have in this game, Sean? Well, Broncos coming off a bye. I think they had a couple of weeks to prepare, and they're at home. 
Um, give me the Broncos at home. Um, because well, the opposite. Just when you think the Chargers have it going, they always it lets you down at uh, some point. So I think this is the letdown game for them. Give me the Broncos. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Broncos too here because of the fact that their defense is ranked in the top five, and you know they're coming off a of bye week, like you said. So it definitely helps from that perspective. So give me the Broncos at home, and it's a tough place to play at Mile High, for sure. Um. Going on to the Rams and the Packers. Rams finding their way, trying to find their groove. The Packers are trying to go out there and, you know, compete in the NFC North. I believe – is Aaron Rodgers coming back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, um, he's, uh, he's on play. All right, so Aaron Rodgers is going to come back. And, you know, the, the Rams, they, they lost – right on Sunday Night Football last week with Odell Beckham Jr. being uh, coming into the fold, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, no, they, they lost uh, Monday Night to uh, oh, San Fran, correct. Okay, so, all right, so I, I was right there. Uh, all right, I'll start this one off. I like the Packers here at home. You know, warm weather teams do not fare well at Green Bay, and it's going to be another shit show when it comes to, uh, you know, this – this uh it's gonna be a very entertaining game no doubt about it but when you look at it on paper and you're saying to yourself with the betting uh warm weather team going into a cold weather stadium is it gonna be close do i think so yes but i think the better team the packers they pull away give me green bay well i think the bye week helped the rams because they had to get von miller appointed they had to get jenna ramsey uh, acquainted. I can't wait to see Jalen Ramsey and Devontae go at it again. Best corner against best receiver. But well, I think the Rams get some playoff redemption for the loss last in uh, January earlier this year. So I think the difference is going to be Matthew Stafford's arm, though. So give me the Rams on the road to upset Green Green Bay. All right. Vikings at 49ers. Who do you have in this game, Sean? Well, this, this is going to be a sneaky good game because both these teams, again, teams wrote off both these games well 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 if you people aren't talking about him Kirk Cousins having a very good year for them but um I think the better defense is San Fran I think defensively they're going to make some stops so actually well you know what no I think the Vikings offense is playing better than the defense give me the Vikings uh on the road I'm going to keep this one short and sweet I like the 49ers at home here I think with the the defense being the way how they are they're ranked third in the league uh, it's definitely going to help them out uh, getting to the quarterback one and two, you know, when you're looking at where the 49ers have been, they're trying to find their way. They're trying to find their groove uh, going into, into the postseason hunt, even though they, they are kind of statistically still in it. Actually. Yeah. You know, they are still in that wild card spot trying to fight fight for it but so are the vikings but i like san francisco here to go out and just play harder at this point if you will so moving on from the niners and vikings to sunday night football you got the browns and the ravens uh clean sweep across the board here sean you like the ravens here in this spot because i do i'm yeah i do yeah, well, I do. Um, short and sweet. I think the Browns will. Baker Mayfield probably playing his last game as quarterback of the Browns. His last games, 
Give me the Ravens to continue leading the North with uh, this one. Clean sweep across the board right there. And then moving on to the Monday night football game, you have the Seahawks with a revitalized Russell Wilson, albeit he hasn't looked the same since he's come off his injury, uh, going up against the Washington football team. And let's talk about the football team for a second here, right? Because just the name alone, I think they should keep. I think they should just keep the Washington football team. It just sounds more more of a, a better, like, catchy storyline here. And they do have the better rushing attack. But with Seattle, you know, Russell Wilson is an X factor, and you never go against Russell. But with that said, I'm going to go with Washington on the, on the road here. Uh, at home, excuse me. The battle of the two Washington teams, Seattle being from Washington, and the Washington football team, give me the Washington football team with the burgundy and red colors. So let's go with that. Sean? Yeah, well, I have no idea what's going on with uh, Seattle. They're three and seven. <clears throat> I know Wilson missed a couple games in the bye week and stuff, but something just seems off. And um, But, well, I think as a last-ditch way to save their season, I think they're going to pull out a victory on Monday night. Give me Seattle on the road Monday night. All right, and those are your picks. Those are our picks to you. Sponsored by nobody, of course, because we have no sponsors. But that's okay. Maybe one day, I keep on saying it, one day we'll have a sponsor. But who knows? Uh, anyway, that's it. Those are, those are our picks. Uh, Sean, anything else you'd like to add on about the, uh, the football year? Now, well, you know, obviously my Titans are eight and three. They're playing extremely well. So definitely looking forward to seeing how far they could go, pal. And, um, you know, just let's see what the Giants do at home. They're honoring Michael Strahan at the half. They're retiring number 92. So that's definitely good for him. And uh, Jets on the road, maybe some road uh, cooking is good for them. So let's see what they do down in uh, Houston, pal. Yeah, let's see what happens down in uh, Houston as the Jets take on the Texans there. No really final points here for me uh, when it comes to football. Just uh, been focused in on the Jets a little bit way too much with their season and how it's been sputtering out of control and seeing this first-year head coach just trying to fit in and trying to, you know, now he's saying trust the process here. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I've just been focused in on this football team a little bit too much. So, uh, yeah. That, that's basically it from the football perspective. Uh, quickly, let's talk NBA. And this is it here, okay? The Lakers, they are what they are. They're eight and nine. They are the ninth seed. They're playing up against the Knicks right now. And I got to tell you right now, man, you know, I'm not surprised by this. I'm not surprised by this start. Will they catch fire? I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball in front of me. But they are what they are. And Sean, let's just look at it like this from this perspective of your Nets. They're doing this all without Kyrie Irving. Um, how do you feel about the Nets thus far being the best in the East after what happened to them last season? The floor is all yours. Yeah, you know, I'm not surprised by the regular season success. Um, I actually went to the game that they played against the Hawks um, and they won that game. So uh, that was cool, but um, you know, I'm I'm not surprised. Well, they could get first seat in the East without uh, Kyrie. 
Well, the Nets are not coming out of the East without uh, Kyrie Irving because I don't see them beating. To me, the two teams they're going to have to think about to get out the East are going to be Milwaukee and the and the Heat. And I don't think the the Nets are are going to beat either of them in a seven game series without uh, Kyrie. And also, well, of another sneaky team. Nobody's not talking about them, but they, you know, they're young, but defensively they could lock you down. Um, are the Bulls? Are the Bulls? And you know, and you know, if the Nets meet up with the Bulls in the first round, well, I'm going to be very nervous because defensively and you know they could lock down and they could score. So, well, any you know, like I think they were 12, 12 and five now, or like twelve and four. I'm not surprised by any regular season success they're going to have. But if Kyrie isn't doesn't find a way to get vaccinated or if they don't lax the uh, mandate for him to play by the time the playoff comes, well, the Nets are going to lose probably in the second round again, and it'll be another wasted season of KD here. Yeah, and when you look at the Bulls right now, they have so many players right now that are coming into their into their own, right? They just signed Lonzo Ball. He's finding his way. Alex Caruso being the Swiss Army knife that he is coming off the bench. Really big piece right there for him. DeMar DeRozan, I mean, he's basically finding his way after being let go uh, from San Antonio. And then you look at Zach Levine. The guy can go out there and he could just flat out play with the best of them. And then you look at some of the uh, some of the guys here too, guys like Nikola Vucevic coming from Orlando, having that background of just basically being a rebounder and being that old school center in which you could build your team around and they are what they are right now. And they're playing great team basketball. So make no mistake about that in their schedule uh, coming up, you know, they play the, they played the Nick, they played the Knicks already. They, they won, they lost to the Pacers uh, by 32 at that point. And then you look at the, who they got next, they go up against the Rockets and then the magic, and then they play the Heat at home uh, in their next couple of games. So realistically, it's definitely going to be fun to see what, they, what they've been doing, especially after the past couple of years. You look at Boston. Uh, Boston's trying to find their way. Charlotte with the young team that they have in place. Washington surprising a lot of people. You talk about the Bulls. Washington, the Wizards, they're finding their way. Um, you know, the, the shit show that is the Milwaukee – not the Milwaukee Bucks, the – Philadelphia 76ers, they're finding their way. They're 10 and 8 right now. The Knicks, they're 9 and 8. They're trying to find their way right now. They're beating up on the Lakers as we speak. And Cleveland rounds out that that 10, that 10 spot right now. But certainly it is what it is there. And then, you know, you look at the conf- the Western Conference as a whole. Golden State probably pound for pound the best team in the NBA, bar none having Stephen Curry back, I think it's fair to say that he's he's definitely a difference maker. But also, too, you got to give credit to guys like Draymond Green and having uh, Andrew Wiggins there as well. And they're going to have another piece back in Klay Thompson. So we'll see what happens with them. The Suns, not surprising there. Their running gun style of play has been really been a big help to them uh, going basically winning the past 13 games the biggest storyline right there outside of the, the Suns is uh, outside of the Warriors is the Suns winning their 13 in a row the Jazz 
finding their way, finding their group, playing that lockdown defense that they always do. The Jazz, the Clippers, the, the Mavs, finding their groove, the Memphis Grizzlies. And then the rounded out, you got the Trailblazers, the, the Nuggets, the Lakers, and the Timberwolves recently on a four-game winning streak. So Alex Rodriguez tweet that as he is the owner of the T-Wolves. And then you have the bottom of the league. And no surprise here uh, seeing the Western Conference the way how it is. Sean, any any take on any takes on that? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, you know, in the East, you know, I mean, with Philly, you know, with no Ben Simmons, you know, obviously they won't be as good as uh they are. So you know, that's gonna happen there, you know. And we really spoke about the Bulls, um, and the team. I think the Knicks are kind of who we thought they were going to be. You know, um, are definitely uh playoff team. So you know, um, and uh. And the Heat, well, as well, you know, I think we knew the Heat were going to be good with adding Kyle uh, Lowry to that mix. So not surprised by anything in the East. In the West, you know, um, well, I agree with you, you know, I, no, I I see why the Lakers added the players that they did, but I felt that the Lakers and Nets did the same thing. I felt they went for experience, which is, a, which is great, but the game is getting younger, and neither of these teams have superior in athletes. Like, even though LeBron, who was, I think is about to be 38 now, 39 or 37, one of them. Um, he's still a great athlete, but he's not a superior an athlete opposed to, you know, these 19, 20 um, euros that could do backflips before they dunk the ball and stuff like that. And um, also the Lakers have nobody that can shoot. Like when, well, when your leader in, in field goal percentage, I think is Carmelo, I believe, by like a, by like a percentage point over uh, Anthony uh, Davis. That's not good, well, because he's coming off the bench, so that's not good. So, um, you know, um, and and well, two teams in the West to watch out for, real quick, because I think that you know when it's all said and done, I think they're gonna have a say. Everybody's talking about Phoenix. Phoenix, you know, they won like what twelve straight or something like um, the thirteen straight. Crazy, crazy, crazy. How well they're going to play. Well, everybody's forgetting about Utah. Utah was the top seed last year. And quite frankly, they had no business losing to the Clippers without Ka- without uh, Kawhi uh, last uh, season. But you know what? Things happen and it, and it is what it is. So we'll see. So, you know, that happened. But well, another team to watch out for is the team I just said. The Clippers, you know, um, Kawhi, I believe, is going to come back at some point. If Paul George and Serge Bach and Reggie uh, Jackson and crew, if they could continue to hold down the fort, if they could, you know, like hover around, you know, 500, hang around, you know, between that six and eight seed or wherever they're, uh, they're at now. Well, by the time Kawhi comes back, maybe late season or for the playoffs, yes, he'll be coming off an injury, but he'll also be super fresh. And who knows the run that they can go on. So, well, I think those two teams um, are definitely two to watch overall. Because everybody's talking about Phoenix and the uh, Lakers, with obviously with with a good uh, reason. But let's not forget the Clippers and the Jazz, too. I'm just going to leave it off like this. Everybody at the beginning of the year, you know, wrote off Portland and with Damian Lillard and his trade scenarios. Uh, they're seventh in, in the league. They're nine and eight. They're on a three-game winning streak. They're finding their way. 
Uh, the Denver Nuggets are another team in the eighth seed right now at this point. Uh, it wouldn't be surprising to me, even though they're on a four-game losing streak right now, if they found a way to just try and sustain some sort of uh, defensive and offensive abilities here. But regardless or not, I personally would love to see, I would love to see a team like Dallas go out there and just, they, they've been on the cusp for so long just going out there and signing players. But for me, with Luca, it's an absolutely great thing to to see him play well. But bottom line is, you know, it's going to be a tough Western Conference, no matter how you look at it, no matter how you slice it and dice it. And, you know, did you – by the way, Sean, uh, quickly, everybody keeps on talking about this whole Isaiah Stewart, uh, LeBron James fiasco. Uh Give me your take on it because I saw the highlight and you know how I feel about LeBron, so I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> um, let me hear your thoughts on the whole matter because that if this was 15 years ago, it would have before Malice in the Palace, uh, it would have been, and ironically enough, it, it, it's in a new arena, but it's it's just the piston more, I guess. So uh, quickly, what'd you take on that? Yeah, you know, f- you know, four days after the anniversary of the Madison the Palace, we almost had part two. Um, I feel like Isaiah Stewart blew it up more than what it was. I agree. Well, well, you know, we've all been hit before. And whether it was intentional, intentional or not, you know, if you're going to have that reaction, it has to be right away. Like Isaiah Stewart, you know, he got on his knee because obviously he, he wasn't paying. And then I think he walked away briefly that I don't know if something was said or will and I'll tell you this that nobody's not you know um um uh, saying this well when you get hit by accident like he did the initial hit you kind of take it you kind of handle it but well when that when the pain of the actual hit takes place it raises your blood pressure and it raises your an attitude and I think that's what it was I feel like he I feel like the after effects of the hit got him so mad that that he probably was thinking to himself this guy hurt me on purpose because there's no way that if he hit me on accident it would hurt this bad and I think that's what made him um uh react because well he didn't know that he was even uh, bleeding because when he charged LeBron he wasn't bleeding at first he started to bleed after the fact so I mean you know um, it just sucks that it had to happen before LeBron played at the Garden. Um, I wish the league would just find them both and, you know, not having to uh, suspend them. But I think Isaiah Stewart blew it up more than what it should have. LeBron is not the type of guy. Well, I don't I don't think in his 19 years of playing, I don't think we, LeBron has been in like a fiasco once, like a brawl type of thing. So, um, you know, that's not his, uh, his game. And Isaiah Stewart is a young guy, Will, trying to make his way. And, um, you know, he's trying to play hard. So it definitely sucks. But, um, you know, I think it was more over, overblown on his end than LeBron's end. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, too. You know, just looking at the aftermath of what had happened, I'm sure something was said uh, by one of the players on the court. Uh, people like to over over talk about these things. And it could have been a lot worse. And then for Isaiah Stewart to go into the back of the tunnel like that and run around seeing that final uh, couple of seconds of that video of him running into the tunnel, almost a la 
what the Kings and the Lakers did in that preseason game back in 2002, um, you know, that that's just crazy within itself. But, you know, it definitely blown a little bit out of proportion from Stewart. Definitely uh, just going out there, running over coaches, running over people. Uh, look, you want to stay employed. It's situations like that that, you know, I know there's going to be a lot of shit talking. I know there's going to be a lot of animosity that's in the air. But for for him, for the future for him, maybe some team's going to look for that, saying, hey, we want a scrappy player like that on our team. But, you know, for the most part, it's not a good look for the franchise, for the Pistons. And like you said, it, it's, it was like, what, 16, 17 years and four days after the whole mouse in the palace. So, you know, it is what it is there. So we'll just leave it like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll definitely see what goes on. Um, finally, let's talk baseball here and we'll leave it off like this. And we'll start off with the Mets. They hire Billy Epler. They finally get their GM situation right and settled. Uh, you know, next up is their manager situation. Sean, who do you see the Mets hiring as their manager? And how do you feel about the whole Billy Epler, uh, scenario here? Hopefully he doesn't turn into what, uh, what uh the pervert and the other guy the drunk <laughs> they don't turn out to be like he doesn't turn out to be like that with his with his story you know so with jared porter and with the other guy so then the other guy's name escapes me but what do you think of the situation here with billy epler and who's the next manager for the mets on your mind Sean? Epler, I like, um, you know, he, he gave Trout the mega deal. He brought Anthony Rendon. He brought in Joe um, Madden. I, I believe it was him that brought in Joe. So, um, you know, um, he's done some good things. Um, if he was responsible for the draft, that concerns me because the Angels have been kind of where they've been because they haven't drafted well. Um, he did sign um, uh, Shohei. So, you know, so he's made some splash uh signings. I don't know how much of a team builder he is, but um, he's shown he could go out there and sign guys. I think the Mets are in the running for a uh, 26, 27 year old um, outfielder whose team is going to post him from uh, Japan. I think the Mets are going to get that done, but um, I like him. He's from, a, I don't know if you want to consider the Angels a big market team, but he's from a big marketplace and the Angels love to spend. So, you know, I think it was the right guy because you know, obviously, uh, Steve Cohen is one to spend and Afros used to spend the money. So I think that's a good fit. Well, the Mets are not going to hire any of these names I'm about to say, but he has a relationship with Mike uh, uh, Social. And I think from a stability standpoint, well, I think Mike Social will be a very good fit. I think he'll stabilize things. He's been on teams that had expectations. He's been on young teams that had no expectations and he's done well. He's managed uh, superstars or budding uh, superstars and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, I think he'll be a pretty good fit. Well, the guy I really want is Ron uh, Washington. Um, you know, obviously I know in Texas, he came close twice, he lost twice. And I think he had, I think he had the uh, off the field issue that got fixed. Well, he was he he just finished being the third base coach for the Braves, and he and um, and he has a ring. Obviously, his uh, his age he 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 won't be the ten year guy or the, maybe not even the five year guy. But I think just to get things stable, I think you know why not give Ron Washington a shot there. So well, 
I'd like to see him there um, as well. Um, well, another guy I'd like to see is former Cardinals manager, uh, Mike um, uh, Schilt. Um, there was a lot of controversy on why he was even fired in the first place. It was a matter of they wanted to change his staff because of Anna Lilithics. He didn't want to change his staff. And, you know, the way the Cardinals do business, well, from what I read, it's either their way or you have to go. So Mike Schultz had to go. But, I mean, in two seasons, he got them to the playoffs both years. So, you know, if there's a more qualified guy out there, I, I want to uh, see him. Um, so, you know, I think he'll be a good fit. Well, I don't want to see Buck show uh, Walter because Buck is going to manage his, his way. I don't think Buck is going to adapt to what the MLB is now. And I could see him and... Francisco Lindor having issues and stuff like that. And then it would then it'll then it'll just be another wasted guy. So um I would say Mike Sosha, Ron Washington, Mike Shiltwell, any of those three I'll be comfortable with. Um, but what I well, I just have a strong feeling Carlos Beltran is gonna get this job. Really? Because I was yeah, I have a strong feeling that either Carlos Correa or Javi Baez are going to find their way onto the Mets while Baez coming coming back. And if two of your best players are from Puerto Rico, you're going to want to make them happy. And that's where Carlos is from. I didn't like the hiring in the first place. I was glad when he had to resign. Well, if he gets hired again, I'm going to hate it just as much um, because the Mets always do the wrong hire. Well, Aaron Boone came from the TV booth to the uh, Yankees. Aaron Boone has not been bad. Has he been great? No. Has he been good? Yes, he has. He, because he comes from a lineage of Boone, his brother and his dad and so on and so forth. So he understands the game. I feel like, well, when the Mets try to uh, try to emulate things, they do it the wrong way. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, like, like they just don't, don't do it well. So well, the right guy for the job was Eduardo uh, uh, Perez. For if you, and 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 you know, and I doubt they go back to him or he wants to get uh, interviewed again. But well, that'll be a name that, that I would love to see them possibly go out and try to get. Well, so I mean, in in my specific in order, I will go Ron Washington, Mike Sosha, Mike Schultz. But going to Matt, I think Carlos Beltran is going to get his job. Oh, boy. And that's really saying something right there. And for the record, man, Met fans have history with Mike Sosha because of where he was with the Dodgers and him being on that 1988 team, hitting that infamous home run at Shea Stadium, uh, really sending a bunch of Met fans uh, into crazy, crazy panic and how they should have been in that 1988 World Series but I don't think that Mike Sosha is going to want to come back and, and manage uh, in the New York market. Then again, we'll see. And with Steve Cohen being a Met fan, which, you know, he's not, he's the owner of the Mets, but he's a Met fan. I think he remembers 1988. So he'll, he'll take that away and he'll move on from that. Uh, but I don't think uh, Mike Sosha is going to be an answer. Uh, but, Personally, I think Buck Showalter, Showalter would be a great move, would be a great hire here because of the fact that, you know, when you look at the, the, the last Met managers outside of what we've seen from uh, 
Luis Rojas and from Mickey Callaway, Terry Collins was actually a stand-up individual. Terry Collins was a guy that actually stuck up for his players. And Collins was a guy that managed the game the right way. And he was there and he literally stuck up for his players thick and thin, through thick and thin. I think buckball can happen. I think he'll partially play some analytics to that perspective. But to, to that, I say to this, you know, when you're looking at a baseball man, somebody that's going to want to look at the right situation, uh, being here in New York, you know, why not? Why not have Buckball here? I think Buckball and Buck Showalter would make plenty of sense if that were to happen. And you look at what Tony La Russa has gone through uh, with the Chicago White Sox this past year. Many people kind of ripped the move because of the sense where, oh, he wants to manage his own way. He's got the Dewees. He's got all his past history. But yet those White Sox, they won the AL Central and they found their way. So, you know, with that said, I think Buckball and Buck Showalter, uh, they could definitely fit here uh, in, in New York. And talk about 180, if you were to win with the, with the Mets after starting off his managerial career uh, with the Yankees. So, you know, we'll see. It, it would just be like, you know, like you said, Sean, if it does fail, it would be a typical Met move going for the wrong wrong move. But ultimately, at the end, I think it would be the right move if they go out there and they get a baseball guy like Buck Showalter. So we'll see what happens uh, come come the next couple of weeks, who, they're, who the manager is. It might be somebody that's off the board, but like a bench coach that we probably never even heard of. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, and then finally, the last thing, and we'll wrap up the show, the biggest storyline, Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is going to be a free agent next year. And the Yankees, they've released guys like Clint Frazier. They've traded Tyler Wade. And they're, they're going out there, and Andrew Velasquez as well, guys that aren't probably going to make the team, but ultimately they're – they are bench guys. They are guys that you can rely on in, in the, in the dog days of summer, but Aaron judge is your franchise piece. And the reason why I talk about this is because of the fact that if you're the Yankees right now, you're in a very, very tough situation, right? You have to figure out what's going on with Gary Sanchez. You have to figure out what's going on with Glaber Torres. You have to figure out what's going on with this Yankee bullpen. That's been overtaxed. And the, the top of the the cherry on top of the of the cake here is Aaron Judge in his situation. Now he's going to want to go out there and play it out and possibly discuss a deal uh, coming soon. But from my understanding and from, you know, is a deal far off? He's growing facial hair right now. <laughs> something that Yankee fans aren't accustomed to seeing from him. And it's probably something that's absolutely downright crazy when you're thinking about it but who knows I'm not going to rule out a trade because it can happen and we've seen this Yankee team sputter uh down the course of of time uh throughout the past couple of seasons but something has to be said and Aaron Hicks is coming back we know that um you know either you're going to resign him now and end this whole debate of well you know He's not going to be a free agent next year, or 
you look at it and he's going to be asking for a lot of money. And then you got to, you got to decide, all right, is he going to walk? Are we going to offer him this type of contract here due to his age, his performance, everything like that of the sort, or are we going to trade him and we're going to get some value? Me personally, after what I experienced with John Tavares, you know, hindsight's 2020, you trade the guy, but if they're in playoff position, I understand it, but you gotta, you gotta learn from it from that different perspective. And I know nobody cares about hockey. Nobody cares about the Islanders, <laughs> but you got to learn from these situations here. And th- that's the similarity that I see here uh, at this point in time. So I personally, as much as I hate to see Aaron judge go, if you're not going to resolve a contract here uh, throughout the season, you got to trade him. You got to trade him for some sort of value. And I've, I've, I'm fully on board with it as a, as a Yankee fan, as somebody that has loved Aaron judge over the course of his four years, five years here. Yes. He is the face of baseball when healthy, but the bottom line is with this Yankee team, they have a lot of holes and I know they got to have Aaron Hicks back healthy. They got to figure out what's going on at the shortstop position with, uh, with the likes of, uh, with the Corey Seager stuff going on, if they're, if they're going to put DJ LeMahieu at second and put Glaber at short, I don't know. Maybe we're making a mountain out of an anthill right now. But for me, from here on out, you have to figure out what's going on with Aaron Judge and his contract. That's it. That's priority number one if you're a Yankee fan. And if the, if the sides don't agree on a deal, I hate to say it, they got to figure out a way. Brian Cashman has to figure out a way to trade this guy. That's all I'm going to say on that. That's all I'm going to say on that. Bottom line. Well, so, you know, so, uh, so me and you spoke about this before. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, the Yankees are in a tough spot because, you know, offensively they could use more left-handed bats. That's why I think it was only Um. But, you know, the Yankees have holes, you know. Um, the bullpen needs another piece or two, like every bullpen does. The rotation needs to be um, addressed because they've had a lot of injuries there. I don't know why Yankees, Yankee fans have given up on uh, Glaber because, to me, you have a guy in Geo at third base who's going to be there for a while. I think DJ needs to continue to be at second base for a while unless you want to get, get a shortstop, move Glaber to second, make DJ uh, D, uh, DH in case you lose Voight and you bring back a Rizzo to play first. And when you want to give Rizzo a day off, LeMayu could play first. Maybe that's their line of uh, thinking. Well, I mean, because that does sound good and that does work. But, well, to me, you know, Cashman is in a very tough spot because, you know, if you resign Judge, you know, you know, well, you, the conversation has started at 300 million. It just does. It just does. And, 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 you know, approaching 30 or 29, whichever one it is, well, you know, do you want to pay a guy 10 years, 300, 12 years, 325, knowing by the time it gets to 34, 35, the rest of those years are moot. Well, we saw it with the contract for Cole. Well, the Yankees know Garrett Cole in the last three, four years of that deal won't be the Garrett Cole that he is now. That's why the urgency to win when he's still the one up, if not the best pitcher in the game is so crucial right now because 
they know the back end of that contract. They're going to have to try to buy him out, trade him, because he won't be as good. Well, I don't think the Yankees should put themselves in the position. Well, the issue the Yankees have, Will, is that whoever they trade Aaron Judge to knows they have to pay him. The issue with that, Will, like I just said, the, the conversation has to start in the two $300 million range, and well, not a lot of teams have the type of money to give Aaron Judge. That's what I think the Yankees are in a very, 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 you know, special predicament because I don't think they want to pay him that. But if you trade him to another team, either they're going to fleece you because they know you only traded him because you don't want to pay him that. So they're going to fleece you for the prospects that they want attached to Judge. Or number two, you won't be able to trade him at all because not because there may be not a team that wants to pay him that. So, well, and then, of course, you have the Stanton uh, contract and the Cole contract. So, you know, it, it's, 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 well, it's a, it's a, it's, I don't even know what to say. I think it was going to be a fascinating offseason storyline. Because, well, if I'm Aaron, Aaron or Judge Will, I'm not playing 2022 unless I have a deal of some sort. Because you cannot, you know, Will, we've seen it in every sport. Guys bet on themselves. And sometimes they, um, you know, and the betting on themselves was wrong, you know. And, well, if I'm Aaron Judge, I'm about to be 30. If I hit 240 with, you know, 20 home runs and 86 RBIs, nobody's paying me 300 million. So I would try to get the security now, especially since Joey uh, Gallo is going to be back. You're going to have Gallo, Hicks, and Stanton in the um, in outfield, so you don't have to play judge if you don't um, uh, want to. So, well, you know, it, it, it's a very tricky situation, Will. Well, and well, and the funny thing is, right, a team that makes sense for the Yankees to trade them to are the Mets. <laughs> the Mets need a right uh, fielder. Um, Steve Cohen has the money to pay him a judge. I don't think the Yankees would ever do that. Um, but um, well, it, it, it's to me, it's more so. Well, well, I agree with you. I think gun to my head, I think Judge has to go. But it comes down to a matter of what is the contract going to look like. Number one. And then number two, where do you trade them to? They, well, for some reason, the Yankees and Mets refused to do business. I don't know why. But Judge and right field, especially with Conforto being gone, is a, is a natural fit. Him and Pete on the team for the next five, six years, awesome job. But you just don't know, Will. So it's going to be fascinating to see by the time February comes, bro. Yeah, we'll definitely see what happens when even, even when the, you know, when they figure out everything going on with the, uh, the contract negotiations with baseball in general and, you know, all these labor negotiations that are happening, uh, we'll see what happens because it's going to be a, it's going to be a slow, slow start. And, you know, you know that that luxury tax for the Yankees is coming up and you're already paying Gary Cole, his, his money. You're paying John Carl Stanton, his money. You know, at some point in time, you know that Aaron Judge is going to ask for well over what he's asking for at this point in time. And he might pull a Robinson Cano and just get out. And that's something that Yankee fans don't want to experience again. So you got to get some sort of value here, I feel. And, you know, I get that the goal is to compete for a World Series, but, you know, you can't lose out on on a player like this either when you don't have uh, when you don't have anything here. 
you know, in, in the farm system. I get it. Dominguez, he's, uh, everybody knows how I feel about him. I'm not going to go out there and talk about it, but he's not going to be up here till the 2024 season, as per some scouts are saying right now. Uh, Anthony Volpe is another guy you're not going to see up here till 2022, 2023. You got to build the steam up somehow. You know, you got to build the steam up the middle, and we don't know what's going on. There's a lot of question marks here. So, you know, with, with all that said, it's going to be one interesting time to be a Yankee fan. And, you know, it's definitely it's definitely going to be a long offseason, no matter how you look at it. So we'll leave it like that. Uh, this is going to wrap up the show. Sean, any final thoughts here on this episode? Well, just glad to be back on the mics with you, pal. I'm looking forward to, you know, ending 2021 on a strong note. Things that we discussed the other day, pal. So just looking forward to it. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how the football teams do Sunday. We'll see if the Mets hire a uh, manager, but tell me do our next show. And, well, again, November, great time for sports. So uh, we'll see what happens, pal. But it's great, but, but great to be back on, pal. Yeah, awesome seeing you back again, man, talking sports with you. It's been two months. It's been too long. Uh, hopefully we make this a weekly thing, like you've been saying. And, uh, you know, this is the start of something, a, a rebirth almost of on-the-board sports here. So, you know, I, I know I've been holding down the fort, but, you know, it's glad to – I'm glad to have you back on and talking sports with you. So, on that note, I really have nothing else. I, I've said my piece about the Islanders, the Jets, the Yankees. That's that's pretty much about it. Uh, plus, I'm tired. So, <laughs> long day for me, and it's going to probably be another long day tomorrow. Uh, on that note, for everybody from On The Board Sports, from Sean Thomas and myself, we hope you have a very pleasant and happy and safe Thanksgiving out there. Please, it's Thanksgiving Eve. There's going to be a lot of of, uh, of drama going on. You're going to have a lot of young people out and about. Thanksgiving Eve is that time of year where you're going to see a lot of boneheads doing some boneheaded things. So please be safe, be responsible. Uh, a $20, $30 cab ride is much more cheaper than a $20,000 lawyer with legal fees and everything like that included. And then you got to pay off tickets and stuff if you get caught with a DUI. So, or DUI for that matter. So just please be smart. Please be, you know, some sort of uh, responsible going into it. All right. And that's pretty much about it. Enjoy your Thanksgiving with your families out there. And we'll talk to you guys soon. I'm your host, Will Trucci, logging out. We'll talk to you very soon. Once again, happy Thanksgiving. Peace out.